I'd like to begin today by sharing some good news that we should celebrate as a church family here at Black Rock. As most of you know, because we're committed to reaching both our neighbors and the nations, uh, we ask our regular attenders uh, to participate in global outreach through a faith promise pledge. And through this faith promise, we support through prayer and finances our 70 missionaries, many of whom are our fellow black rockers who God has called to different places around the world. And this year, in order to uh, feed the hungry around the world, provide medical care uh, to the poor, and bring Jesus to those who haven't heard, we asked this congregation to stretch toward a pledge of over $1.1 million. And Everyone knows that this was a big hill to climb at this time. And so we need to celebrate today. We need to celebrate that as of this week, we have reached our faith promise goal of over $1.1 million for 2012 and 13. And... Some of you may uh, be saying, well, it's great that BlackRock people make generous promises to serve the world. But what about the fulfillment of these promises? I mean, uh, what is the fulfillment rate of these global faith promises to BlackRock? Well, we're still a few weeks away from the end date of the over $1.1 million promises that we made last year. Uh, and we should celebrate that the people of this congregation have already given more than they promised last year to global missions. And this is not a one-year feat. Uh, this is a long-term trend uh, for faith promises here at BlackRock. Every year, we keep our promises to give to serve in Jesus' name around the world. But there's more to celebrate. Uh, we will have final word in about two weeks, but the town of Fairfield seems to be poised to give us the final approval uh, that we need uh, to see our construction plans begin the fall of this year. And toward this new facility, the generous givers of this church have pledged over $16 million. And someone may say, uh, it's great that BlackRock people uh, pledge millions to reach their neighbors with the good news of Jesus. But what about the fulfillment of those pledges? Well, we began fulfilling our lighthouse pledges in January of this year. And it is crucial that we fulfill our three-year pledges along the schedule that we have indicated. But here is where we need to celebrate. Uh, as we come to the end of the first quarter of these lighthouse pledges, we are already significantly ahead of schedule. The generous people of BlackRock are fulfilling their lighthouse pledges even sooner than anticipated. 
Then there's the general fund, uh, which we call the local ministry fund, because these are the monies that we use to reach our neighbors with the love of Jesus. Well, this fund has fallen way behind. But uh, when we brought you this information uh, in March, the faithful givers of BlackRock responded. And here's where we need to celebrate. Uh, through your generosity, you have already made April the best giving month of 2012, which is very important because as you will notice in your bulletin, uh, there's only a few weeks left to our fiscal year and we are still over a quarter of a million dollars behind our needs for ministry here at BlackRock. But I know that as I draw this to your attention, we will link arms as a church and we will shine for Jesus even brighter. And this is what I want to celebrate today. Uh, Scripture tells us that there is a time for everything. And this is a time for us as a church family to just take a deep breath and celebrate. And particularly today, I want to celebrate and praise God for the good stewards that God has blessed us with here at Black Rock. Now, maybe some of you are a little critical about this kind of celebration. And maybe some of you are sneering, oh, taking time in the middle of a worship hour to celebrate generous giving is certainly not something Jesus would condone. This isn't something Jesus would do. Well, you're wrong about that. Uh, Please turn your Bible, would you, to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, beginning with verse 41. Uh, The gospel records many stories of Jesus interacting with many people, but only once do we see Jesus so moved by a person that he calls his other disciples to his side so he can point out that person and celebrate that person. Mark chapter 12, beginning at verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So Jesus didn't only celebrate a faithful giver. Jesus used her generosity to teach his followers something important. And I would like to do the same thing today. I would like to stop and praise God for the way he has blessed us here at BlackRock by giving us givers. But while I do that, I would also like to use the example of these faithful stewards to teach us all. And this is the kind of teaching we need to do with regularity around here. We need to do this teaching because, thank you, God, We are always here at BlackRock growing with people who are new Christ followers. Such that when I refer to faithful 
stewards. Uh, here at BlackRock, there are some listening to me uh, who have no idea what the word steward means with relation to biblical giving. Some of you have just recently discovered what it means to follow Jesus, and you've done that here through this church. Now your church needs to let you know what God expects of you in terms of giving to his work in the church. So, Let's take a deep breath as a church family and celebrate with the Savior and learn from Him about the biblical truths that guide faithful givers. The first biblical truth is that God really cares about my giving. The faithful givers of BlackRock that we celebrate today, they know something about God. They know that God is far from apathetic about what they give and how they give with the attitude they give it. Uh, in fact, they, knew, they know that God measures the hearts of his people by the way they give back to him in worship. Because this teaching is a teaching that runs from the beginning to the end of the Bible. On about page 2 in the Bible, uh, Genesis chapter 4, we're introduced to Cain and Abel, the adult sons of Adam and Eve. And God told Cain and Abel, show your heart toward me by bringing an offering to me in worship. And so they did. And God measured their hearts by that offering. God measured Abel's heart by the generous gift he gave. And God measured Cain's heart by the inadequate gift that he gave. Then page further in Scripture, and God is measuring the hearts of his people through his instruction that they bring a tithe to him in worship. God instructed his people to bring a tithe, which means a tenth of their income to him as an act of worship. And then God used this obedience to, um, to this instruction to, to measure their hearts toward him. Now, was God passive about this and, and what his people gave? No way. In fact, the Old Testament concludes with God speaking with deep emotion in Malachi chapter 3, uh, verse 8. God saying, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse because you are robbing me. Do you hear the emotion in that? God really, really cares about my giving. Because God says that this shows something about my relationship with him. Now, I can choose to say, oh, I don't give faithfully to God's work in the church, but I sure love God. Well, I can say that all I want, but according to the Bible, that line goes nowhere with God. Everywhere in Scripture, God tells his people, don't just say that you love me, that you follow me, or you serve me. Prove it. A man was uh, coming home from a uh, weekend fishing trip, and he decided to stop by a mall uh, to get his... Uh, wife an appreciation gift. Uh, so he went directly to the perfume counter. 
and uh, told the woman there that he wanted to get his wife a gift that would show her how much he loved her. And so the woman reached under the counter and brought up a bottle and said, just take a whiff of this. As you can tell, this is an excellent fragrance with just one whiff. The man looked at the price tag and said, $50? Don't you have anything that's uh, less expensive than this? So she reached under the counter and uh, took another bottle saying, well, this is nothing special, but you could give her this. And the man looked at the price tag and said, $20? (laughs) Listen, can't you show me something really cheap? And so the woman reached under the counter and handed him a mirror. (laughs) And (laughs) because this guy didn't understand that um, you can't give a gift that says, I love you and be cheap at the same time. Showing love through a gift usually involves some kind of sacrifice. At least that's God's love language. From Cain and Abel forward, God has always required that his people worship him through sacrifice. The faithful givers that we're celebrating today understand this biblical principle that God really cares about how they give. They understand that their attitude toward giving to, back to God is a mirror. They understand that their giving is a mirror that reflects who they really are in relationship to God. They understand that their giving back to God is a mirror that reflects their true heart toward God. Giving really matters to them because they know that their giving really matters to God. The second guide for faithful givers is the biblical truth that God calls me to give proportionately. Uh, The generous givers of BlackRock Uh, that we celebrate today. Uh, Don't give in a random way where they throw a dollar or a couple dollars here and there in an offering plate when they feel like it. No, they work a biblical plan to give back to God a generous portion of what God has given to them. And this is the insight we cannot miss in this account of Jesus sitting by the offering box. Uh, Mark tells us that Jesus liked to sit near the offering box to watch people as they gave to God. But notice... Notice that Jesus does not just evaluate what people give. Jesus evaluates what people give in proportion to what they have been given. Jesus celebrates the widow because she gave so much in proportion to what she had been given. Don't miss this. Jesus celebrates what we give back to God in proportion to what we have been given by God. This is why God calls us to tithe. God doesn't call us all to give a hundred dollars to God's work in the church because God has given some of us so much that a hundred dollars would be meaningless, while to other of us, giving one hundred dollars would be impossible. 
Therefore, God does not call us to honor him by giving the same minimum amount. God calls us to honor him by giving the same minimum proportion, a tithe or 10% of our income. The Apostle Paul speaks to this practice when he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, on the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his or her income. To give uh, proportionally, uh, our faithful givers here at BlackRock uh, use our offering envelope system. Uh, our givers use offering envelopes that have their personal tax-related giving number on them. And if you are a regular attender at BlackRock, you should ask for offering envelopes. And over the course of the year, you'll be sent 52 envelopes. You don't have to give every week, but they encourage regular giving to God's work here at BlackRock. Now, we put a little white card in a little slip into your bulletin. Would you just take it out right now? Uh, I don't mean tomorrow. Right now, reach in and take a look at it. Uh, and you'll notice that uh, this card is asking for several questions. The first one is, do we have correct information about you? If you've changed your uh, contact information, would you please let us know your correct information? But the main question relates to the first box, which is, can we send you some offering envelopes? If you are a Christ follower and BlackRock is your church and you don't have envelopes, uh, please check the giving envelope box so that we can get you connected. The third question uh, is about giving automatically through your bank account. Some people prefer this method, checking that bottom box, and we'll get you set up. Please fill out this slip and then bring it to the guest connections booth in the center of the lobby. There's a basket there where you can drop this off. The faithful givers that we're celebrating today give proportionally. They give back to God at least 10% of what God has given them. Or maybe they have been growing to that stage over a period of time because they know that God calls them to be stewards. Stewardship is a biblical term for a lifestyle of seeing that everything I have is a gift from God to be used with God in mind. A case can be made that, God's, uh, that Jesus' favorite parable was the one uh, he told in several forms in several gospels. It's the parable of the stewards. In this parable, um, before going away, a king uh, gives to several of his uh, subjects a sum of money with the understanding that they invest this money while he's gone. Then the king returns and he rewards the guy who invested wisely and he punishes the guy who is selfish with what he has been given. The selfish guy was a bad steward because he was entrusted with a sum of money but he didn't use it according to its expectation, which was to use it with the king in mind. He didn't follow through. The faithful givers we celebrate today understand that they are stewards. They understand that everything that they have been given has been given to them by a king 
who will one day judge them as to whether they have invested in the king's work or whether they spent kingdom money all on themselves. And this leads us to the last biblical truth that we'll talk about today that guides faithful givers. God rewards me as I give. This is a key point in the parable that, uh, that Jesus tells about the stewards. Uh, Jesus emphasizes that the king celebrates his faithful stewards and makes sure that they are lavishly rewarded. And when it comes to the faithful givers that we celebrate today, given the chance, each one would leap to their feet and testify to how they believe that God has blessed them through their giving to the church and how they are convinced that they are better off with 90% of their income and God's blessing than with 100% of their income without God's blessing. And this Blessing is what God promises when he says in Malachi chapter 3, Bring the whole tithe. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Does this mean that if I give financially to God's work in the church that God will bless me financially? Well, that's certainly possible. But I believe this is thinking way too small. We serve a limitless God who has infinite ways to bless the people he chooses to bless. As far as I know, this is a true story. Uh, the great golfer Arnold Palmer uh, once played a series of exhibition games or matches in Saudi Arabia. And the Saudi king was so grateful for the way that Palmer served him and his nation uh, that he promised, uh, that, he, that he proposed to, uh, to Palmer that he give him a gift. And Palmer resisted, saying, Oh, your highness, it was just a, an honor for me to be in your country. It was an honor to be an invited. Uh, please don't give me a gift. And the king persisted saying, you don't understand, Mr. Palmer. Uh, in my culture, it's a great insult if you do not allow me to give you a gift. And so Palmer thought for a moment and said, well, I don't want to insult you. Uh, so why don't, you, why don't you just give me a golf club as a uh, gift? Uh, that'd be a nice memento of my time in your country. And so the Saudi king said, very well, it will be done. And Palmer thought to himself, I, I wonder what kind of golf club this is going to be. Some kind of titanium driver, or solid gold putter or something like that. And uh, but then he soon forgot about it. The next day, a large envelope uh, came to Palmer's hotel. And uh, in the envelope was... Uh, it was from the Saudi king, and it was a golf club. It was the title to a 1,000-acre golf club with trees and lakes and 18 holes and a pro shop and a clubhouse. And Arnold Palmer was thinking small while the king had something much bigger in mind. And as you follow Jesus, you are following royalty with infinitely greater ability to bless. 
Uh, and when it comes to his faithful givers, this king wants to blow your mind with the awesomeness of his blessing. When you become a king, a, a giver to the kingdom, the king promises that he will bless you beyond your wildest dreams. One day, Jesus sat by an offering box and he nudged his followers. He pointed to a widow and celebrated a faithful giver. This is what we do today. And this is who you want to be. You want to be a cause of celebration to the Savior. You want to be like that widow. You want Jesus to nudge the angels and point to you and say, Now there is someone to celebrate.